Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be with you. Um, we're just going to read from the Word of God together, and then we're going to look at, at what it means. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 3. That's the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to take time to read the entire chapter. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. And this is the word of God. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I have commanded you, that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain shall you bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread." till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also, for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. 
Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So that's the reading we're going to be looking at this morning. And just before we do, we'll just have another word of prayer. Ask for the Lord's help, and then we will we'll look at God's word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it, it is infallible. There's no mistakes in it. Everything it says is true. And Father, we thank you that it tells us why we are here, how we got here, what's gone wrong, where we're going. Father, your word tells us the, big, uh, the answers to the big questions of life. And Father, we pray that as we look at your word now, we pray that you would give us understanding. Father, that you'll speak to us through it. Father, that those of, us, those of us who know Christ, that we will come to know him and love him more as we see him in your word. And Father, for any here this morning who do not yet believe in Jesus, who are yet uh, still far from you, Father, we pray that that will change this morning, that you will work faith in their hearts as your word is preached. We pray this in Jesus' name and, and for his sake. Amen. So this is a portion of scripture we're looking at this morning, Genesis chapter 3. And you can look around the room this morning, you can see how the chairs are spaced out. We've all got masks on, apart from myself at the minute. And then we can turn on the news, perhaps you watched the news before you came this morning. And we can ask the question, what's gone wrong with the world? There's clearly something wrong, isn't there? And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's greater than coronavirus. We, we turn on the news, we, we get the daily figures, the new statistics... Somebody tells us one thing, someone else tells us another thing. Then we hear of, of war in the Middle East between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Things are going wrong. We hear of the recession and all that's taking place. Uh, we, we hear of bad decisions. And it's clear that something's gone wrong in our world. So what's gone wrong? Well, there's different opinions depending on, on who you ask. People have different answers. And as well as asking what's gone wrong with the world, we must ask, well, what's the solution? And depending on how you, ask the first, you answer the first question with what went wrong, depends on how you answer the second question and what the solution is. What's wrong with our world? And what's the solution? Well, in the chapter that we've read this morning, we, we find the answers to these questions. We find out exactly what's gone wrong in our world. And we find out what the solution is. And this is very relevant to all of us today. Because if we don't have the right answer for what's gone wrong, we will never find the right solution. And so what's gone wrong? Well, we, we see the answer to this in the first six verses of our reading. And the first six verses could be summarized with the sentence, the entrance of sin, or the beginning of sin. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, we see that God made everything perfect. That he said that it was very good. There was no death or suffering. Everyone at that time, were there were vegetarians. Animals didn't even die. And so God said everything was perfect. But we don't live in that world today, do we? So what went wrong? Well, we find the answer here in chapter 3. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 documents for us how God created everything. It was good, very good. Now we see what went wrong. The entrance of sin. Sin came into our world. And we learn how that happened. 
In Genesis chapter 1, we see that it says, now the serpent, sorry, Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So we're introduced to this character who's called the serpent. Now what are, what are we to make of that? Well, you can try and guess from that verse who the serpent was or what the serpent was. But if you keep reading the Bible, we find clearly who the serpent is. In Genesis chapter 20, verse 2, we read that, that, uh, that, that the dragon was that old serpent, the devil, which is Satan. And we read that in Revelation a few times. We, we see that the serpent is referred to as, as the devil. And so that's who, who the serpent is here. Was it a real serpent that the devil was, was speaking through? Was the devil, did the devil um, appear as a serpent to Adam and Eve? We read that he can appear even as an angel of light. Did he appear as a serpent? We're not really sure. We're not told. But somehow there was this serpent that was used by the devil to, to deceive Eve. So how did the devil deceive Eve? How did he trick her? Well, we see that he did a few things. Firstly, he cast doubt on God's word. He questioned the word of God. In Genesis chapter, uh, in, in, in verse 1 of this, of this reading, we see that he asked the question. He says, has God indeed said? And then he quotes what God said. And he, and, he, and he questions God's word. Is that really true? Did God really say that? And after, after asking that question, he then questioned God's judgment. And he said, you shall not surely die. He questioned the judgment of God. God said, the day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. The devil said, you won't die. And then we see also that he, he lied and he offered benefits to them which were never really true in the first place. He said, if you eat of this tree, you will be like God. And in doing so, he also questioned God's goodness. He said to Eve, God doesn't want you to be like him. God doesn't want you to take of the tree because he knows what you will become if you eat of it. And God doesn't want that for you. And so the devil made out that, that God didn't have their best interests at heart. He questioned the love of God and the goodness of God. And in doing that, he deceived Eve. He questioned the word of God, God's judgment, God's goodness. And, and we'll see in a moment that it worked. And this kind of thing still happens today. You can speak to the atheist in the street, the one who denies God, and he'll question God's word. He'll say, you don't really believe that, do you? Well, there was a serpent speaking to Eve. Do you really believe that? That's what, that's, what, that's what happens today. Or you'll have people say, God isn't going to judge us for our sin. And they question God's judgment. Or you'll have people who will say, and, and they'll question God's goodness, and they'll say, well, if, if there is a God, then why is all this happening? Why is there the coronavirus if there is a God? Questioning God's goodness. The same thing happens today. Exactly what the devil did there in the Garden of Eden. The same lies are being told. And we see that, that these lies worked because Eve was deceived. And that's what we see next. Adam and Eve sinned. What happened? The devil tricked Eve, but then we see what Eve did. Eve coveted the, the benefits that the fruit offered. She heard that the fruit could make her wise. She saw that it looked pleasant. It looked like a good fruit. And she lusted for what it offered. And so she took of the fruit. The devil said, you shall be as gods. And that sounded good to her. And so she took from it. And then we read also that Adam took from the fruit as well. And he ate. And so they saw that, there were, that they could be like God. They were tempted and they took from the fruit something that God had said they shall not do. Because in the day that they did it, 
they would surely die. And so what happened? What was the result of taking the fruit? Well, we read that as they did that, their eyes were opened. And in a moment, we're going to see the consequences of what took place. But what happened there was the first sin. God gave them one commandment, that they should not eat of that one tree. And they broke it. They sinned against God. Before that, there was no sin in this world. It was perfect. After this, everything went wrong. Now, sometimes people look back and they say, well, if it wasn't for Adam, we wouldn't be in this mess. And that's true. But before we point the finger in Adam and say it isn't fair, we must remember that we have also sinned. Stephen reminded us of that scripture, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yes, Adam sinned and we live in, in the effects of it, but we are sinners as well. We also do wrong every day and we are responsible for that. And so this is what went wrong. This is where it started to go wrong. So what were the, what were the consequences of this sin? What, what happened after this? Well, this is what we see. We've seen the entrance of sin or the beginning of sin. Now we see the curse of sin. And we see this in verses 7 to 20. Firstly, we see that the sin of Adam and Eve brought guilt and it brought shame. Before this, there was no guilt. There was no shame. And we see that it brought guilt and shame by the fact that they sowed fig leaves. Verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They saw that they were naked. They were ashamed. They knew their guilt. Their conscience was pricked. And so they sewed together these fig leaves to try and cover themselves, to try and hide themselves from the, the shame which they were feeling. We also see the guilt they had because they hid themselves from God. In verse 8, it says that they heard the voice of God in the garden and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So first, the first uh, result that we see of them sinning was that they had guilt and shame, something which they never knew of before. God didn't make it this way. It was, not, it was never supposed to be this way. It was the result of sin. That's why there's guilt and shame in our world today. Secondly, we see that they were separated from God. And we see this by the fact that they hid themselves. They hid themselves from God. Before this, they had a perfect relationship with their creator. God was walking in the garden and, and it's spoken about as though it's normal, as though it's natural. But then after their, their sin, they hid themselves from a holy God. They were ashamed. And we see also in verse 23, they were separated from God because God sent them out of the garden. And that's what sin does. Sin separates from God because God is holy next we see that they had a sinful nature their nature had become sinful today sin comes naturally to us doesn't it to them at the beginning it didn't they didn't sin but after they did this then their nature was fallen and sin came easily and we see this in verse 12 and 13 when they blamed each other we see in verse 12 that Adam blamed Eve and he also blamed God. He had the audacity to blame God. He said, the woman that you gave to be with me, she deceived me. He's almost saying, if you didn't make her, she wouldn't have done it. So it's your fault, God. You gave her to be with me, and because of that, I ate of the tree. He's blaming God. Blasphemy. He hadn't, he ate, the moment he ate from the, from the fruit, sin entered in. 
and he was blaming God. People do it today so easily. Here we see the first account of it, blaming God for his own problems, for his own sin. Adam blamed God, he blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, nobody owned up. Here we see the beginning of, 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 of sinfulness, the sinful nature. And this is something now which we're all born with. The Bible says we were shaped in iniquity, born in sin. We've inherited this sinful nature which they brought upon themselves there in the garden. Next we see the curse. They had guilt, shame, separation from God, a sinful nature, and then sin brought the curse. We see that the serpent was cursed. God cursed the serpent, and in doing so, he cursed the devil. And he said that you'll be abased, you'll be eating dust. And then he said that the seed of the woman would destroy him. The seed of the woman, I'm going to refer to that a little bit later, but it's speaking of Christ. And he's saying that God was going to send someone who was going to destroy the works of the devil. So God cursed the devil, the serpent. Then he cursed Eve, and he said that you'll have pain in childbirth. He says you'll have difficulty in marriage. He said you'll, you'll conceive in sorrow and bring forth children in pain. And then he said that your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now there's conflict. Before this, there was no uh, marital problems. Adam and Eve had the best marriage there ever was. But now there's conflict between husband and wife because of sin. And then God spoke to Adam. And we see that the, 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 the ground was cursed. That now the ground was going to bring forth thorns and thistles. And that Adam would have to uh, farm the ground, but it would work against him. And it was only in the sweat of his brow, in toil and labor and strain, that he would be able to eat. Now life would be difficult. And ultimately, verse 19, we see that it will lead to death. Before this, there was no death. Sin came in and it brought death. And our God said, you will return back to the dust. You will die. And this is what we see today. All of these things are things that we experience today. And they're a result of this fall which took place in Genesis chapter 3. Why is there pain in childbirth? Why is it so difficult to, to farm and to grow crops that the ground, it seems as though the ground's working against us? Maybe you do gardening. It's, a, it's an everlasting battle against weeds. Why is it so? Because of Genesis chapter 3, because of the fall, because of sin. And we read in Romans 5 verse 12 that this curse has passed upon all men. Romans 5 verse 12 says that, that sin came in through one man. And so death passed upon all men, for that all has sinned. It says, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 15 that in Adam all die. Adam is our representative. In him we've all fallen. We've inherited the sin that he brought in. And before we point the finger, as I said earlier, we've all sinned. We're all guilty. But here we find the reason for all the suffering in the world. And so if this is where the suffering comes from, this is why we experience the, the troubles that we experience because of sin, the sin of Adam, our own sin. What's the solution? I was watching David Attenborough the other day and he was speaking about problems in our world. He was speaking about the fact that there is uh, the CO2 levels are so high. He was speaking about the deforestation and, and, and how the rainforest and all of that is, is uh, decreasing and the increase in, pop, in, in pollution and all of these things. And these are all results of the fall. But because David Attenborough didn't have the, 
the correct diagnosis of the problem. He thought that it was because of it was merely because of the way we drive our cars or because of the, uh, the way we use plastic. Maybe it's got something to do with it, but the biggest problem is sin. Sin is the, is, is the beginning of all this and the cause of all of it, ultimately. But David Attenborough, because he didn't really diagnose the problem properly, he didn't give the right solution. His solution was we have to do better. But that's not enough. That won't deal with the problems in this world. We need a greater solution. And next, this is what we see. Finally, we've seen the problem, the beginning of sin, the curse of sin. That's what's going wrong, wrong in our world. So what's the solution? What's the answer? Well, we find that in, in, in the rest of our passage. Well, actually, we find it all throughout the passage. What is the solution? The solution is the grace and love of God, the working of God. That's the solution to the sin problem and everything that it, that it involves. Throughout this passage, we see God's grace. Adam and Eve messed everything up. We too have sinned and make a mess of our lives and the lives of others. But yet God in his love and mercy steps in to put things right. We see this first in verse 8 and 9. Adam had taken from the tree, so had Eve. They had sinned. God knew all about this. God knows everything. But yet God walked through the garden and he called for Adam. Why did God do that? God did that because God seeks sinners. We read there that God walked through the garden and he called for Adam and Eve. God knew that they had already sinned, but yet he went looking for them. Why? Because God is a merciful God and a gracious God. And God goes looking for us. Jesus said that the good shepherd leaves the 99 sheep and goes after the one which was lost. And that's what we see here in verses 8 and 9, that God seeks sinners. They're hiding among the trees. God says, where are you? He knows where they are. He knows they're behind the tree. He calls for them. He's looking for them. He's seeking them. He's drawing them to himself. God seeks sinners. And then in verse 15, we have a promise. God goes looking for them, and then he gives a promise. As God is cursing the serpent, God gives a wonderful promise in verse 15. It says this. God says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Here we have what's called by many people the Proto-Evangelium, which basically means the first mention of the gospel. No sooner had they sinned that God had said, I'm going to send a saviour. God said to the serpent, I'm going to send a, uh, someone is going to be born from the woman. Eve is going to have a child. And that child who's going to be born from the woman is going to save mankind from their sin. And ultimately he's making a promise of Christ, the saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone's going to be born from the woman, from the woman's seed who is going to destroy all that you've done. And we read in, in the New Testament that Jesus Christ came to undo the works of the devil. So God made a promise, even, even there in the garden, God said, I'm going to send someone to sort all of this out. I'm going to send a saviour. And if you're, if you're in doubt as to who that is, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. God promised the saviour. Then in verse 21, we have another uh, another display of God's grace. In verse 21, we read that God made them clothes out of skins. We see that they made tunics, didn't, uh, they made, they made uh, aprons out of leaves to try and cover their shame, but it didn't work. 
So what did God do? God made them clothed out of skins. Now that's important because in order to get skins, you have to kill an animal. There was no death up to this point. That was the first death, that God killed these animals to provide skins. But what did that teach them? That taught them that in order to cover sin, there had to be sacrifice. In order to cover our sins, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. So God giving them the clothes of skin is saying to them, you need a sacrifice. And the fact that God provided that himself is pointing to the fact that one day God would provide the ultimate sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he was a sacrifice for sin. He paid for our sins on the cross. He died in our place. To pay for our sin. He shed his blood to atone for all the wrong that we have done. And here in verse 21, God is, is saying ultimately that he will provide. He did provide then. He would provide later. The grace of God, even in Genesis chapter 3. He provided skins. He promised the Savior. He sought for them when they were hiding in their sin. And we do see at the end of this chapter that God uh, threw them out of the garden, didn't he? He said that they can't eat from the tree of life. It was forbidden to them. But here again, we, we read through the rest of the Bible and we see the grace of God. Because in Revelation, the, the tree of life is open again to all who believe in Christ. The tree of life is, we read in Revelation 22 verse 14, that all who believe in Christ will be able to take from the tree of life and have eternal life. So we see that Christ sets people free from the curse of sin. He did so by becoming a curse for us. And that's what we, we are told of here in Genesis 3. God is pointing to the Saviour. And if we just bear in mind Genesis chapter 3 and the curse of sin, there were thorns, weren't there? There was death. Well, when Jesus came, the New Testament says that he became a curse for us. They plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Have you ever wondered why they put a crown of thorns on his head? Well, we read here that thorns were part of the fall, that thorns were brought in because of sin. So the fact that the crown of thorns was put on, he on Christ's head is, is, is a picture telling us that he was, was, was sorting this out. The penalty for sin, the curse, he was dealing with it on the cross. He was becoming a curse for us. Often Jesus is referred to as the last Adam or the final Adam. And what he did was un he, 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 he undid all the works of the first Adam. Jesus Christ is the saviour. That's who this, this chapter speaks of so loudly. We see the problem, what went wrong, the entrance of sin, the curse of sin. But here we see the solution, the saviour from sin. God seeks sinners. He's promised the saviour. We sit here today, now the saviour has, has come. He has died for our sins on the cross. He's rose again the third day. Through Jesus Christ, everything that took place here can be undone. If we believe in Jesus Christ today, then we should be so grateful. We don't deserve what God has done for us. We don't deserve the mercy of God. We're all guilty. We're all culpable. But yet, Christ died for the ungodly. He has done, undone all that Adam did. And for those who believe in Christ, we receive greater benefits than we ever lost in the Garden of Eden. In heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be greater blessings than Adam and Eve ever enjoyed there in the Garden. 
And all because of what Christ has done for us, dying for our sin on the cross, rising again the third day. But if you are here this morning and you do not believe in Jesus, then you will never be saved from the consequences of the fall. All that happened there in the garden will, will be your lot forever. Now, in this life, and also in the life to come, in hell. That's what the death refers to here ultimately, is spiritual death, the second death, eternal death. You'll be cursed forever in hell. But here is the solution. Jesus Christ undoes the curse. Jesus Christ saves us from our sin. He was promised in the Garden of Eden. He's come already, died for our sins, rose again, and now he calls us to repent and believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So what's gone wrong with our world? Well, it's, it's greater than coronavirus. It's greater than global warming. What's gone wrong with our world is the fact that sin has entered in and with it has brought the curse and all that we experience today. What's the solution? The Bible says that Jesus Christ takes away sin. He is the solution. He, is, he has gone to heaven. The Bible says he's gone to prepare a place for those who believe in him. One day there will be a place where there is no sin, no suffering, a new heavens and a new earth. Through Jesus we can be part of that. What's gone wrong? Sin. What's the solution? Jesus Christ, the saviour from sin. What should our response be? Well, if you are a Christian this morning, then your response should be to love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and your neighbour as yourself. Live for the glory of Jesus Christ, the one who saved you from your sin and tell others about this glorious saviour, the seed of the woman who saves from the curse of sin. And if you're not a Christian this morning, maybe you go to church but you've never actually repented and believed in Jesus, then I urge you to turn to the saviour, to believe in the one who undoes what our sin has done. The one who saves us and forgives us and makes us right with God. And will ultimately take us to a place where there is no curse. If you want to be part of that place, the Bible says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. I'm going to just close with a word of prayer. And then I think Chloe will sing or hand over to Stevie. One or the other. Just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that although we have sinned, and we bear the consequences of our sin. Yet Christ saves us from sin. Because he, he bore the penalty on the cross. And he rose again the third day. Father, for those of us who know him by your grace, we pray that you will enable us to love him more and live for him. And Father, for any this morning who do not yet know the Saviour and are still in Adam, still in their sin, Father, we pray that you will save them. That they will believe and be saved. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you seek sinners and that you've sent the Saviour and that you undo the curse of sin because Christ became a curse for us on our behalf. Lord, we say that we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.